reading tonight, and uh, let's take our Bibles this evening, and I want you to open to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, and um, mentioned this morning, we're going to be kind of beginning a series uh, over the next few weeks on Sunday nights um, of about this liberty in Christ, and um, this morning we were looking in Ephesians at the, the hope of our calling, and uh, we are called to salvation, we are called to serve, and one of the things that we were looking at is we are called to liberty, uh, called to liberty, and, uh, and so we're going to be looking at liberty in Christ, and uh, this is something that I believe many Christians uh, do not understand, um, and I think as we get into it, we'll, we'll see that. Uh, but in Galatians chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 13. Uh, we saw this verse this morning. He says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another." Again, remember, understanding when we're looking at a passage of Scripture, we need to know who is writing, uh, who is he writing to, and, and really what's going on that he would need to write this about. And so I think if we go back to Galatians chapter 1 real quick, we'll find that the author, of course, is the Apostle Paul in chapter 1, verse number 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Uh, and then he's writing to, in verse number 2, all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. So this was not just one church, but this was written to the churches of Galatia. Many times we think of, uh, when we think of the books of the Bible, uh, uh, Ephesians, right? We would say, well, that's the church of Ephesus. And Philippians, that's the church of Philippi. When we come to Galatians, it's not the church of Galatia. It's not one church, it's several churches that Paul is writing to here. Uh, these were churches throughout the region of Galatia. And so he's writing unto the churches of Galatia. And um, what we have to understand is why Paul is having to write this letter, right? Why is Paul writing this letter to the churches of Galatia? He says in verse number 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So Paul had been preaching in these areas, and people had been getting saved, and there were some churches that had been started, and then Paul had left. And after Paul left, guess what happened? Uh, some guys came in, and they started preaching a false gospel, a false doctrine. And uh, they started teaching that salvation was not just through Jesus Christ and Him alone, but you still had to follow the law, right? Uh, and in the law, of course, that can, included circumcision and these type of things. And so, uh, and Paul is writing saying, hey, hold on a second. He said, I marvel, I'm amazed. What has happened that you're so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel? So again, think about this. As Paul has been in these areas... Preaching, and of course, uh, if we understand uh, other religions, most every other religion, the only way that you can uh, get to heaven or that you can please God is by what you do. It's by your works, 
right? All these other religions, it's by works. And so Paul had come into these areas and had taught and preached to these people that salvation was only by faith, not by works. And he had saw these people turn from their works to faith. They, had, they said, oh, you're right. The, the, Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. And so they turned away from their works and they turned and put their faith in Christ. And of course, they got saved. And then after Paul leaves, what begins to happen is some people start creeping in and saying, no, 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 no. It's not just by faith. Yeah, you can have faith, but you still have to do the works. Yeah, you can, you can say you believe in Jesus, but you've still got to follow the law and you've still got to be circumcised. You've still got to do all these different things. And so they were going back to what they had left. They had left their works and turned to faith, and now they were leaving their faith. And again, please understand when I say that, I'm not saying they lost their salvation, okay? We, we understand they cannot lose their salvation, but they were leaving what they were taught by Paul and going back to works. And so Paul is writing, and again, notice how I know that Paul is, is, is saying that these believers have not lost their salvation, Right? Uh, because, again, he's writing to the churches of Galatia, and he calls them brethren, right? He didn't say, oh, now you're lost. No, no, they're still saved. They're just getting caught up in false teaching and false doctrine. And he says, which hath, uh, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And then Paul clarifies, which is not another, right? So when we think about the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's only one gospel of Christ, there's only one gospel of Christ. That's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's the only way a person can be saved. Well, they came in starting teaching something else. And Paul said they were teaching another gospel, which is not a true gospel. right? Um, and he says, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And so Paul makes a very powerful statement here. He said, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be cursed. So Paul says, look, any other gospel other than Jesus Christ and him alone, that gospel message is cursed. It's not the true gospel message, right? Again, think about it. What does the word gospel mean? The gospel means good news, right? It means good news. And so the good news can only be found in Jesus Christ, right? It's not found in works. And we're gonna, uh, we'll see as we go through here. Um, we don't have time to go through the whole book of Galatians here, although it's a, it's a great book to go through. But again, we have to understand Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia who are starting to be deceived by these false teachers thinking that now they... Uh, that salvation was not just by faith in Christ, but by, was also by the law. Okay? And so we come to chapter number 5. Uh, in chapter number 4, uh, Paul gives a great illustration of uh, faith and works by the two, um, uh, the, the, the two ladies uh, of Abraham, if you could say, uh, from Sarah and Hagar. And then also, um, really, the, the two mountains, Mount Sinai and Jerusalem, two places. And so he uses this analogy. Uh, Hagar was of the flesh, right? Sarah's child was by faith, right? Sinai, the law was given by works. Jerusalem, 
faith, by, by grace and faith in Jesus Christ, right? So he's giving these two analogies here, right, in, in chapter 4. Again, we don't have time to go back and, and read through all of these things. But as we come to chapter 5, notice what he says in verse number 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, right? So again, when you go back, you'll read, as Paul is writing, he's saying, look, Sinai, Hagar, the law, all of that, that is bondage. That's bondage. That's slavery, okay? But Sarah, Jerusalem, Christ, that's all by faith. That's all by faith, okay? And so he says, now that you have been set free from this bondage, you've been set free from the works of the law, you've been set free from this debt, he says, now you've set, been set free from those things, so stand fast in that liberty, right? Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Again, they were trying to come in and saying, no, Jesus isn't enough. It's, yeah, you can believe in Jesus, but it's also the law. It's also circumcision. It's also all these rituals that you have to do. And they were trying to get them to come back to the point where they had left before. And that's why I said they're being entangled again with the yoke of bondage. These other, these false teachers were trying to put the yoke of bondage back on these believers who had put their faith in Jesus Christ. Right? So, since the Galatians wanted to be under the law so much, we could say, right? Paul reveals some laws that they should consider. Uh, and again, throughout these chapters here, Paul talks about different laws uh, that have to do with our liberty in Christ. Um, and, I, and you can say, well, wait a minute, laws and liberty don't go together, right? Laws and liberty, um, how, how does that go together? Um, well, either you're free or you're under the law, right? Well, you can be free and there can still be laws, right? I think you've heard me say this illustration before. Um, I think we would all say that we live in a free country, right? We live in a free country. No one forced you to pick the job that you have. No one forced you to pick First Baptist Church. No one forced you to, uh, to buy a certain type of car or whatever. You were free to make those decisions, right? So we live in a free country. But yet, this country that we live in, in freedom, does have laws that we are supposed to obey. There are laws that are there, okay? So freedom is not the absence of law, okay? We've, we've got to understand that. We get this idea of freedom means I can just go out and do anything. No, that's not. Okay, freedom is not the absence of law. Okay, um, now as Americans, we don't keep these laws to become Americans, right? We keep the laws because we live in America. We're American citizens. We don't keep the laws to become Americans, right? We keep them because we are Americans, because we live in this country, right? And so when we understand about this liberty in Christ and the law of liberty in Christ will understand that there is liberty, but there is still something that God has for us as far as the law is concerned. And that we're not doing it to be Christians. We follow this law. We have this liberty because we are in Christ, because we are Christians. Okay? Um, 
And this is what Paul is trying to show the Galatians, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament gave rules and regulations in order to try to be accepted by God. The New Testament gives principles to live by because we are accepted by God, because we are in Christ, okay? Um, and so when someone starts laying down the law for another believer, right? Uh, you can't go there. You can't eat this. You can't drink that. You can't wear that. You can't listen to this or all these different things. Then we have to be very careful because we're starting to uh, get on what we would call legalism, right? We're trying to say you have to, you have to meet a certain standard in order to be accepted, right? You have to be a certain way in order to be right, Okay. Um, and that's, that's what we would call legalism, and we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in just a moment. But I want you to notice, as we come to verse number 13 here, again, for brethren, again, these are brethren, okay? Paul is writing to these believers that he is rebuking in chapter 1 because they had turned from the works for salvation and turned to faith. They put their faith in Christ, but then these false teachers came in and started deceiving them, and they started to go back to their works, But notice, they never lost their salvation. He still calls them brethren, right? He says, brethren, right? Ye have been called unto liberty. So we have freedom, we have liberty, and we'll talk more about this as we go along. But what does he say? Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another, right? So the first thing we want to understand that Paul is saying here is liberty is not for the flesh, Liberty is not for the flesh, okay? Now, this is really interesting because those that deny liberty in Christ go to the argument that if you have liberty, then that means you're, you're just free to do whatever you want to do, right? That's not what he said at all, right? Liberty is not to be used for the flesh, It's not just to live however you want to live, okay? Yes, through Christ we are free from the law of sin and death, but just because we are free does not give us the right to do anything we want. Again, notice that he says you've been called unto liberty. Unto liberty. Think about that for a moment, right? We've been called unto liberty. So this liberty is not something that we get naturally, right? Because we're, we're over here, right? And then he says, we have been called unto liberty. So liberty is over here. We're over here. We have been called unto liberty. So it's not something that comes naturally, okay? This is something that, if we could say, as we're going to look at this, liberty is something that someone else has. And this someone has invited us to share in this liberty with them. Well, who is that someone? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He says, look, you're over there. You're in bondage and you're in sin. He says, I'm calling you to liberty. Yes, salvation, but in salvation there is liberty. So Jesus Christ is calling us to himself. Jesus Christ is perfect. He's free, and through the grace of God, he is making this available to you and I who put our faith and trust in him. And it goes much deeper than liberty, though. 
Again, many people are looking for an excuse to sin. And listen to what I'm about to say. They're looking for an excuse to sin and still be saved. You understand what I'm saying there? They're looking for an excuse to sin and still be saved, right? So if, then if I have liberty, then, then I am free to do whatever I want. So that means I can still sin and still be saved, okay? Now, first of all, let's take a step back a moment. Do we believe in eternal security? Yes, absolutely. Do we believe that the Bible teaches that once a person has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they can never lose their salvation? Yes, absolutely. Right? But do we believe that if someone is just looking for an excuse to sin, and so they say, hey, you're saying there's liberty in Christ, there's freedom there, so I can go ahead and get saved and then go ahead and live however I want to, is that salvation? No, it's not. That is not salvation. Okay? Again, they're looking for an excuse to sin and still feel saved. Therefore, they say they have liberty in Christ. Okay? If you're looking or if you are just looking for a license to sin, salvation does not give you a license to sin. Okay? Now, there's a couple terms I want you to kind of understand here because on one spectrum, we have what is called legalism, right? Guys, do we have that kind of graph there? So on one spectrum, we have legalism. So pull up legalism there on that graph, right? So legalism is on one side, okay? And legalism is, you know, it's you've got to follow the law, you've got to follow the rules, you've got to do this, you've got to eat this, you can't eat this, you've got to do all these different things. And by doing all of this, then somehow you're going to be able to impress God, you're going to be able to please God, and God is going to accept you. In other words, by doing all of these things, then you become right before God. Okay, that's legalism. That's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that's what they were all trying to do. Look at all that we have done. Remember the Pharisee in the temple? I thank thee, God, that I am not like this publican. I'm not like this wicked sinner because, I mean, look at me. I fast twice a week. He probably could have used it, right? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I have. Right? What did he do? He started naming all of the rules that he had kept. Legalism, right? But see, on the other spectrum, and this is what happens, we go from legalism, we say, well, hey, you know, I, I'm not really concerned about legalism, but man, I see that if there's freedom in Christ, that means I'm free to do whatever I want to do. And so we go clear to the other spectrum, which we call license. So now that I'm saved, I have the license to do whatever I want to do. I can just live however I want to live. I can go wherever I want to go, do whatever I want to do, say whatever I want to do. I'm not responsible to anybody because I'm saved. All my sins are forgiven. And so now I'm just free to do anything. You see the two extremes here, right? You have legalism on one side. You have license on the other side. By the way, uh, if you go to the book of Romans real quick, in the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter uh, 6, 
Romans chapter 6, notice in verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's he saying? Well, there's plenty of grace for my sin. You know, God's, God's grace is great, isn't it? Right? Isn't God's grace great? Amen. Is, does God's grace ever run out? No, right? So, I mean, hey, no matter what I do, God's grace is enough. That, see, that's, that's license, right? We're, just, we're trying to make up excuses to be able to sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Watch what he says in verse number two. God forbid. He says, absolutely not. Is God's grace sufficient? Yes, absolutely. God's grace is sufficient. Is God's grace ever going to run out? No, it's not ever going to run out. But does that mean that I can just take God's grace and use it however I want to and say I have a license to be able to sin because after all, I'm saved and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I can never lose my salvation no matter what I do. So now I just have a license to live however I want because God's grace is going to cover it. No, not at all. That's why he says, God forbid. And notice he continues. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He says, if we are to be dead to sin as Christians, then we shouldn't be looking. And here's the thing. This is is how you can really know, I believe, if somebody is is really, um, I want to be careful how I say this. If somebody is really understanding what salvation is, if somebody is looking for a way to sin because God's going to forgive it, they don't understand salvation. You, you understand what I'm saying? If they're looking for an opportunity to sin, if they're looking for ways to sin, knowing that, hey, I, if I'm saved, my sins are going to be forgiven, so it doesn't really matter. So I can look for opportunities to sin because God's grace is going to cover it. That person does not understand salvation. Okay? Now, don't, don't misunderstand me when I say this. It doesn't mean, though, that when I'm saved, that I'm never going to sin. Right? It doesn't mean I'm never going to sin. In fact, when you look here at this word here, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The word continue there has a, the, the, the idea, the connotation. It is again and 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 again. And it's like the Energizer Bunny. It just keeps going. Right? That's the idea of that continue. Right? There's no desire to stop it. There's no desire to get out of it. We want to continue in it. Well, because God's grace is sufficient. You understand what I'm saying? Does that mean we'll never sin, though, as a, as a Christian? Now that we're saved, we're never going to sin? No, we're going to sin. We, we, we will, right? We, we shouldn't want to, and we should walk in the Spirit. And that's why at the end of, uh, after this, Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5, walking in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But there are going to be times when we sin. Paul even said himself, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I know I shouldn't do, I do. Paul Paul struggled with the same things that we struggle with, right? But we can see in Paul a desire not to continue in sin. 
You understand that? That once he sinned, he's like, oh, man, why did I do that? God, forgive me. I, I don't want to do that. And he would turn away from it, right? If we're just saying, oh, I sinned. Hey, hey, there's another sin I can do. Oh, I can do this sin. And oh, I can do this sin. And I can do this sin. After all, God's grace is sufficient. We don't understand salvation. Salvation is not a license to sin. And this is what many times those of us who believe in eternal security, we are labeled easy believism people. We are labeled people of license to sin, right? Because you're just giving people license to sin by saying you can never lose your salvation. Again, that tells me you don't understand salvation. You don't understand it. Because when a person truly does put their faith and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit does live inside of them. And there is going to be that conviction. There's going to be that desire that's put in there for the things of God, not the things of the world. If a person just continually wants to sin and wants the things of the world, and there's no desire for the things of God. Look, can I say, that person can say they're saved all they want to, but I'm going to have some serious doubt. I'm going to have some serious doubt. Now, again, can I know their heart? No, I can't. I can't know their heart. But the Bible does say, by their fruit, you shall know them. And this is what he's saying. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How are we that are dead to sin, right? See, here's the two different sides of it. There is one that wants to continue in sin, and there is one who is dead to sin. I don't want to sin. And when I do sin, man, it breaks my heart because I know it's not what God wants in my life. And so I, I want to repent of it and I want to turn from that and I want to do what is, what is right for God. See, there, there's two different spectrums here. Man, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much that I, I, I want to get into tonight. We just, I don't have time because I, I'm trying to lay a foundation here because... Uh, So we have legalism. That's the one spectrum. Follow the rules. Do all of this. Somehow you'll be able to be made right. License says just do whatever you want. If you're saved, you can just live however you want, do whatever you want because God's grace is sufficient. Both are wrong. Both are wrong. Legalism is wrong. License is wrong. They're both wrong. So what's the answer? Well, we just read it in Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. The liberty, right? Legalism is wrong. License is wrong. But liberty is right. Liberty. Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. This freedom, this liberty that we receive is not a license to live worldly, how we choose or how we feel. It's more than just liberty. Again, Paul has, has, has referenced it time and again throughout the book of Galatians here. We'll, get, uh, we'll see this maybe as we go through, but notice we're not this, again, we are called unto liberty. Someone is offering us this liberty and that someone is Jesus Christ. We have been called unto Christ. We are called unto him. We're not called to to rules. We're not called to license or legalism. We are called to Christ. And in Christ, there is liberty. 
Think about what he says again in, in chapter 1, verse 6. He's amazed. He says that you are so certainly moved from him that called you. Isn't that interesting? Now, he's talking about the gospel, right? He's talking about the gospel message here. But he says, I'm amazed. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him. Why? Because they were called to a person. They were called to Jesus Christ. In chapter 3, in verse number 24, he says, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto rules, to bring us unto to license. No, no. To bring us unto who? Christ to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. In chapter 5, verse number 4, again, think about what he's saying here. He said, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. He said, if you think by, by the law you can be justified, you don't have any grace. Now, now, please understand, when he says you are fallen from grace, he's not saying that you had grace and you lost it. No, no. He says you are fallen from it. You can't even get grace. You can't even attain grace. You can't even have grace. Grace is offered, but when you choose to follow the law, this is what he's saying here in verse number four, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. Again, we cannot lose our salvation, but he's saying if you're thinking that salvation comes by the law, then you can't even accept the grace that is there, that is offered. You can't, and this is what he says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. What Christ did, and this is what he says in Galatians 2.21, if, uh, if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. It's pointless. What Jesus Christ did was absolutely pointless if you're trying to be saved by the law through legalism. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, we are not free to sin, but we are freed from sin. We are not dead in sin, but we are dead to sin. So under Christ, there are certain things that we are not to do. There are certain boundaries that we are not to cross over. You say, oh, that's legalism. No, it's not legalism. Oh, that's license. No, it's not license. It's liberty. It's liberty. As long as I stay within the boundaries, right? How many of you have a, how many of you have a, a, a yard that has a fence around it, right? Right, you have a fence around your yard? How many of you have a dog in that fence? That's usually, it's either a dog or a kid, right? You know, sometimes you're not sure which one. You know, never mind. Now, the purpose of that fence is there because you hate your dog and you hate your kids. Right? No, of course not. It's not because you hate them. The purpose of that fence is because you love you, your kid. You love your dog. Right? The purpose of that fence is to keep them in a safe area. Right? The boundary is not for their if for their harm, it is for their protection, right? You don't want your kid running out into a road and getting struck by a vehicle. You don't want your dog running out into a road. You don't want them running away. So you put up a fence, right? And as long as they stay within that fence, they're basically free to do whatever they want to do. You want to do cartwheels? Do cartwheels. You want to dig a hole? 
dig a hole, just not under the fence, right? You want to plant a garden? Plant a garden. You literally have the freedom to do whatever you want to do as long as you stay within that boundary and that fence. It is when you cross the fence, when you cross the boundary, consequences come because there's danger there. So under Christ and in Christ, there are certain things that we are not to do. There are boundaries that we are not to cross over. For those who have experienced this liberty in Christ and then use it for their own self-indulgence, for that license, they're basically saying, I am not grateful to Christ for what he has done for me. I'm not grateful that he died on the cross for my sins. I'm not grateful. I'm, I, I'm unthankful for what he's done. I, I, don't, I, I want to live in sin. Wait a minute. No, in Christ we are to be dead to sin. Not want to live in it. And so there are boundaries that we find in Scripture. Now, I'm going to give you three... um, uh, I don't know if you call them three words or or three thoughts or whatever. And over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of expound on these things because um, some of these things have been in our... um, some of you, they, they may be new to you. Some that have been maybe in, in Baptist circles for a time. Some of these have almost become uh, uh, bad words and things. But we're going to look at these things and, and biblically. Um, and so one of the things we're going to look at is what is a scriptural principle? What is a scriptural principle, right? Um, a scriptural principle is something that when we look in God's word, there is an observation of what God's will is in his word. So we, we look in scripture, we find this is something that God desires, right? That's a scriptural principle. And then there is what we call a conviction, a conviction, right? Not convicted, right? Not the Holy Spirit convicting me. This is a conviction, right? It's a conviction. A conviction is a a belief, a firm belief based upon a scriptural principle. So as I study God's word, I find these scriptural principles, then I'm able to have a conviction based upon God's scriptural principles that I find in his word, and I accept this conviction, and as I look at this principle, then it's going to compel me to change how I live. Right? So there is a scriptural principle. I, I find out what God says. Through that, there is conviction of the Holy Spirit, but then I develop a conviction. Right? I'm saying, hey, I understand this, so now that's going to help me to change how I am living to be more like Christ. Right? So you have a scriptural principle that develops into a conviction. Okay? This is something that, that I truly believe. Right? Um, if I could say this, just to kind of give you an example, and of course we're going to go to, to many different things like this, I would say a conviction of mine is that salvation is by grace through faith alone. That's a conviction. Why? Why did I develop that conviction? Because through scriptural principles, I began to see what God says, that salvation is by faith in him alone. And so through those scriptural principles, I develop a conviction. 
And this conviction is, I believe that salvation is by faith alone, right? And you can't change me from that. You, you cannot change me that salvation is by anything else. Why? I've developed that conviction through scriptural principles, okay? Now, that's just an example, right? There, there's many different things that we can, we can go through, right? But then there are scriptural principles that develop into convictions, but then there are also what we call standards, right? Um, and standards and convictions have really kind of been, uh, they've kind of said, well, you know, you know, uh, you, nobody, you know, Christians are, are free from the law, so we shouldn't have standards or, uh, you know, we, we, we shouldn't have convictions. We, sh- we should be able to live however we want to live. Well, again, we don't understand what we're talking about. We don't understand what we're talking about. Okay. There are scriptural principles that we find in God's word that develop into convictions. But then there are what we call standards. And a standard is something that, again, we have to understand many times we think a standard is a conviction. A standard is not a conviction. Okay? A standard, and again, if this is all new to you, don't worry. The next couple of weeks we're really going to dive into this and dig into it. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll really get into this. But a standard, and this is what we really have to understand. A standard is a rule. Again, the word rule is not a bad word. Okay? unless we're assigning it to legalism, okay? But a standard is a rule that I impose upon myself. Notice whom I I am imposing it on. Myself, right? To help me keep my convictions. You understand? A standard is, is not something that I impose on anyone else. I cannot impose standards on anyone else. I impose it upon myself to help me keep my convictions that I have established through scriptural principles. Okay? Now, again, there's, there's lots of things that... Um, that people have come up with that are uh, standards and things like this, and we're just we're gonna we're gonna let uh, we're gonna let God's word speak for itself. Okay, um, I'm trying to think in in the 11 years that I have have been preaching here at First Baptist Church, I don't I don't think that I have ever preached on necessarily standards okay um because i believe a standard is something that you have to set personally i can't set the standards for you now here's the problem in a lot of churches today the church sets the standard and says everybody has to follow these standards you have to dress a certain way. You have to look a certain way. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do all these things. And please understand, I'm not saying standards are wrong. Okay? Standards are good because a standard is there to help me keep my conviction. Okay? But again, that's the thing. It's me. I develop biblical standards to help me keep my convictions. 
the things that I am learning through God's word. Okay? And, and the problem begins to come when a church begins to say, okay, all right, here's the standards and everybody has to follow these standards. What have we just done? We have just gone back to legalism. Oh, we're not, we're not saying license. No, 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 license. No, bad, bad license. But now everybody has to follow these standards. Why? Well, because this is how, this is how we, we believe the Bible teaches, and so uh, you're going you're gonna to follow these things so that you can be right. So you're now telling me what my standards have to be. You're telling me what kind of fence I need to put up. You're telling me how high my fence has to be. You're telling me what color it has to be. You're telling me that it can't be solid, it has to be chain link. You're telling me that it has to be six foot, not two foot. Now again, I'm not against standards. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Standards are important. Standards are good. But standards are there that I impose upon myself to help me keep my convictions. And what begins to happen is we begin to develop standards. We say, okay, this is good for me, and this is what I think is right. And then we begin to do what? Well, if it's right for me, it must be right for you too. And so if this is my standard, it ought to be your standard too. And if it's not your standard, there must be something wrong with you. Because I've obviously seen that it's a right standard. And so because I see that it's a right standard and you don't see that it's a right standard, you must not be right with God. Wait a minute, hold on. Again, what are we going back to now? We're going back to legalism. We're saying everybody has to dress a certain way, look a certain way, talk a certain way, do a certain thing, all this kind of stuff. Wait a minute, no, no, no. That's, that's legalism. And just as bad as license, so is legalism. That's why Christ says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. In the liberty that we have in Christ. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty that Christ has made us free. Brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Now, again, he makes it very clear. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. We're not to use our liberty for the flesh, to serve the flesh and have license and just continue in sin. No. But there is liberty. How many of you drive a Chevy? Raise your hand. Okay? Now, some of you get a little tense about stuff like this, all right? Take a chill pill, okay? How many of you drive a Ford? See what I said? What I said? I tried to warn you. I tried to warn you. How many you drive a Honda? All right. How many you drive a Toyota? Uh, what else is out there? How many drive a Jeep? Yeah. How many drive a Suzuki? Do they still make Suzukis? Subaru. Subaru. All right, Subaru. There we go. All right. That's an interesting. Not everybody drives the same vehicle. Why? Because you have the freedom to choose which vehicle 
you want to drive. You have the freedom to choose which vehicle you want to drive. You have the freedom to choose what color you want it to be. You have the freedom to choose what options you want on it. But you do not have the freedom to break the law. You see, in the boundary, you are free to do anything you want. You can pick a color, you can pick a style, you can have a sedan, you can have a convertible, you can have a truck, you can have a minivan, you can have whatever you want. You have absolute freedom to have whatever kind of vehicle you want, as long as you pay for it, okay? Don't steal it. You can have whatever color you want. You can put on whatever tire size you want. You can put the the green and blue running lights on it. You You can do whatever you want. You can put bass in it and, you know, be... I mean, you, whatever you want. It's your vehicle. As long as you don't break the law. But for someone to come in and say, everybody must drive this type of vehicle, and it must have all of these specific options, and it can only have this certain tire size, and your lights have to be this way, and... and Wait a minute, what are we doing? We're going back to legalism. Wait a minute, where is liberty in that? There's no liberty in it. Liberty, again, freedom is not the absence of law. Freedom is staying within the law that we have. You can pick whatever kind of car you want. But when the speed limit says 55 and you're doing 100, you have every right to get pulled over and get a ticket or thrown in jail. Well, I live in a free country. Well, yeah, you do. And you have the freedom to pay the ticket now, too. You see, there, yeah, there's just, <laughs> there's just so much. Um, I got one verse. That was it. Again, liberty is not for the flesh, right? I think we got that. Um, And as we go through these next few weeks, I want to help you to learn how to develop biblical standards. Biblical standards for your life, right? You have these standards, right? Look. I have standards, and there have been times when people have asked me questions, and I'll say, look, this is my standard. This is my preference. This is how I do it, but how you do it is totally up to you. That's, that's totally up to you, okay? And, but, but I think it's very important that we understand how to develop biblical standards. Again, rules that we place upon ourselves. Individually, not the church placing upon you, but rules that we, we place upon ourselves to help us keep the things, the convictions, and the principles that we're learning from the Word of God. Okay? Um, and, and as we go through this, again, I think you will find that there is such, there is such freedom in this. There is, there is, it's not 
God has not designed salvation to be this burden that we're all just, oh man, I, I wonder if I broke the law. I wonder if I broke God's rule. No, no. There is liberty in it. There is freedom in it. And we can thank God for that. We can thank God we're not under, uh, we're not under legalism. Hey, listen, we're not under license. We're not just free to do whatever we want. There is law, the law of Christ. But in that law, there is liberty. And God wants us to experience that liberty in him. And so I, I, hope this, I hope this will be a help to you these next few weeks as we, as we kind of look into these things. But I, just, I wanted just to lay some, some groundwork this evening, some foundation on this. And I, I know we didn't really get very far, but I, I hope this will help in the next few weeks to really help us as Christians to, to establish some biblical standards in our life, right? And, and what you're going to find, look, at the, at, the end of the, at the end of when this study and this series is done and everything, at the end, you're going to find, you know what? I was able to create some biblical standards for myself, for my family that we're going to follow. And you know what you might find? There might be somebody else following those same standards. Great. Somebody else may choose a different standard. Well, that just means they were, no. Just because they drive a Ford and you drive a Chevy, just because you drive a Honda and they drive a, you know, Toyota, Wait a minute, there is freedom here as long as we stay within the boundaries that God has set, okay? And we'll, we'll look at these as we go through, and I, I hope this will be a help and encouragement to you, right? Let's pray together tonight. Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, through this study, Lord, to really understand how important it is to, to develop biblical standards in our life. Lord, not just to live in license and just well, I'm saved, so I'm just free to do whatever I want. No, that's, that's not what you want, Lord. Lord, not to be bound in bondage under legalism and having standards and things placed upon us by others. No, Christ. We've been called unto Christ. We're called unto Him. And in Him we find this liberty. And so, God, I pray you to help us as we go through this study. Uh, Lord, that it would really... Uh, enable us to develop some biblical standards for our lives that would uh, help us in years to come as we search your scriptures. And Lord, they're going to have to develop their own. As a church, we're not setting a list of rules and things that people have to follow. They're going to have to study the word of God and find out and develop their own. uh, They're going to see these scriptural principles. They're going to develop their own convictions, their own standards. And yet, Lord, as they do this, they'll find there's such freedom in it because we're just simply being called unto you and we're following you. So, Father, I do pray that you'd help us in this. Lord, may we truly seek your wisdom and understanding in this as we study through it. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Bless us now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.